ahead and have a seat. Well, there was a, a lot going on this last week. I hope that in the midst of traveling or family or Black Fridays, shopping, that, um, that everybody was able to take a few moments uh, to be thankful for the things that God has, has given to us, the things that he has blessed us with, the, the people that surround us in our lives, um, that bring joy to our lives, and, and give thanks to God for that. My family had a fun time. We had the Smiths over uh, for Thanksgiving. We got to know them a little bit better. I encourage you to do the same, get to know them. Uh, and then Friday, we went to this fun time called Enid Lights Up the Plains. Um, so I, I saw several of you out there. I, I saw Jeff Owen, and I was like, so Jeff, what's, you know, how does this thing work? Where do we need to be? And he said, I don't know. I've never been. This is my first time. Um, so we were kind of both wandering around lost together there for a little bit. But, um, but it was a fun time, and I hope that everybody was able to, to give thanks to God. I want to let you know about two things uh, the next couple weeks that are coming up. Um, first, I do most of the preaching here. You know, I'm, I'm the preacher. But uh, I want everybody to know that, that both Gordon and Adam will both still get opportunities to preach occasionally. And next week, um, Adam will have his first opportunity to talk to you guys. So he'll be preaching here next week. So I hope everybody comes and supports him in that. And, uh, and I'll get the opportunity to, to lead us in worship that day. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the very next week um, is our first children's program that we're going to be having. So we'll have our service here like regular. And then instead of having classes afterwards, um, during that time, we'll have our children's program during this time. So I, I hope that everybody's here um, to encourage them. They have been practicing for, oh, a month and a half or so. But... But learning the birth narrative about Christ, um, learning the scriptures that go with it, uh, some songs that, that proclaim that good news. And uh, so that, that week, the 14th, will be a very exciting time here. Today we're going to continue our sermon series, uh, Back to the Future, where we are looking back at prophecies that were spoken about the birth of Jesus. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, so go ahead and, uh, and turn there. And before we delve into the scriptures, I need to share with you a story that happened back when I was in high school. I don't remember which one it was, but, but most schools have you know, a, a prom, a senior prom, or a junior-senior banquet of some kind. Uh, our school was having one of those. And so, you know, everybody was excited about it, and, you know, who are you going to ask out, and you got to figure out what you're going to wear, and what, you know, what's happening, are you going to, you know, do something after the banquet, all those kind of things. And um, my friends, and I use the word friends here because, well, you'll, you'll find out. They come up to me and they said, Eric, I'm so nervous to go on this date. I'm, I, I'm too nervous to drive. You, you have to drive because your, your family has a big van. And so my, my family did. We had one of those big Ford conversion vans, you know, that has the TV in it. And uh, just, they're, they're giant, right? They're like the size of a tank going down the road. Um, my family had one of those. And so, so two of my friends said, well, Eric, just please, just, just drive. I said, I am not driving that big thing. You can drive. 
driver date. No, I'm so nervous. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to embarrass myself. And so they talked me into driving this thing to the banquet, which was being held in downtown Portland, which is a big area. And every downtown is all small roads. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're one-way roads going both ways, you know, going all around. And they're, they're narrow and cars are parked on the side anyways. Well, they talked me into driving this giant thing down. So, I do. There is no parking for a car that size close to where we're at. And so, eventually I see this guy waving, you know, with a little light wand, you know, encouraging people to park. I'm like, well, it's, it's 10 bucks to park. And they said, we'll pay for it. You're driving. We'll pay for it. Fine. And so, I, I pull up, and it's in a parking garage. And this guy's like, all right, you, you can come in. I said, we're not going to fit in there. He goes, yeah, you'll fit. You'll fit. You know, it, it's okay. Cars like that have parked in there. I'm like, okay. So I pull in this very narrow one-way place, and cars are pulling in behind me, and we get up there, and I, I roll, I'm looking out. We're not going to fit. And so I, I tell the guy, the next guy, and I said, we're not going to fit, are we? He said, no, why'd you come down? I said, well, that guy told me I'd fit. Well, we have to get everybody to back up. So all five cars behind, they make everybody back up. Eventually we get out, we find a spot, we go to the dinner, pay way too much for way too little of food. Afterwards, what are we going to do? We're going to go see this movie. All right, so we all load up in, in this van again, and we get to the movie theater, and, and as I'm pulling into the entrance, this car is coming out, but they're not on their side. They're in the middle of the, the entrance exit. So I'm trying to make this corner, you know, and, and, and turn it in there. And up to this point in, in my life, the worst noise that I ever had heard were fingernails on a chalkboard. There's something much worse than that. They had this uh, pole sticking out of the ground that, that they would use to chain off the parking lot whenever it was closed. Well, somebody had hit that pole, and so it was sticking out like this. And as I'm turning the corner, all of a sudden I hear this, Oh, I just pause right there. And it's that, what do you, what do, you do then? Do you, do you keep going? Do you back up? I chose the backup method. So I have, you know, six other people in my van with me. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So that car leaves. I pull in, we park. From then on, the only thing I can think is, my dad's going to kill me. Like, like, really, kill me. I'm going to go home and, and not wake up in the morning because he's going to wake up before me and see this, and I'm just going to go meet God. Maybe that's not so bad. It'll be better than, than living with what's going to happen here. This movie was a B movie on top of all of that. I even wrote a poem about this a week later in English class called The Worst Night Ever. For some reason, the, my date and I didn't go on very more, many more dates after that. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Nothing to do with her. But I go home. You know, I get back. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I'm not going to tell my dad then. I'm going to wait for a little bit. And so I go to sleep. And I wake up to... <laughs> Eric, we need to have a talk. And I wake up, I'm like, whoa. And I totally forgot about everything. Wow, it sounds like I'm in trouble. 
What's... <laughs> yes, Dad? We need to talk about the van. <sighs> oh, yeah. It wasn't a dream. Long story short, I didn't die that morning. Nothing like some good hard work to build character, pay back certain debts to your father. But I learned something that, that day about my dad that, that I will never forget. He was angry, he was frustrated, upset, you know, about what I'd done to the side of this van. You know, it ripped a gash about yay long in it. But he didn't respond the way I thought he would. You know, in my mind, I envisioned myself, you know, looking up to my dad, towering with anger. And he didn't respond that way. I mean, he was firm. You know you're going to pay this back, right? Yes, sir. But the most important thing to him was, how did this happen? Is everybody safe? Okay, how are you doing? You know, this is your first accident that you've had. Are you okay? Talk with me about it. And so I'll never forget that about my dad. And I learned that I will always be his son. No matter what I do in life, whether I tear up the side of the car or I disappoint him in some other area in, in life, um, whether I go on and do some terrible thing later on that embarrasses him, I learned that I will always be his son and that nothing will ever change that. And so while I may do something that deserves some consequences, some punishment, he will be just in giving that punishment out, but then he will still draw me close to him, give me a hug, and let me know that he still cares about me. Today's passage that we're going to look at as we read through these scriptures, we find that same characteristic about God. That we are God's children, that He loves us. And when we disobey, there will be consequences. There are punishments. But He will still draw people close to Him. So go ahead and, and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Last week... Uh, we talked about the Magi visiting Jesus at his birth. And so they, they came, um, they went and saw King Herod, and King, Ser king Herod said, where's this child, this Messiah going to be born, this new king? And they told him, and he said, well, you know, when you go, you worship him, but you come back and, and tell me, okay? And um, so the, the Magi go, they visit Jesus, they, they give him their gifts, they worship him, and then that brings us up to where we are in um, chapter 2, verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. And now skip down to verse 19. 
uh, that passage we're skipping, uh, that we're skipping we'll look at next week. Verse 19, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. This uh, little portion is, is kind of the first introduction of evil into the, into the story. Up until this point, it's all red. You know, you can almost picture a, a person with that perfect narrator's voice introducing the movie and, and laying out the characters. This is the narrative of, of Jesus, who was born here to a virgin this. And this was spoken to fulfill these prophecies. And everything's gone very well. He was visited by the shepherds and by the magi. And then you get to this point with, with Herod. And he enters the story, and, and we've all seen a movie where you know who the bad guy is, but you don't know how he's going to be bad, but you know because he's got this, this smirk on his face, and he always has this evil laugh. <laughs> and so you know, oh, he's the bad guy. He's got the smirk and the laugh. That's Herod. Go, you, you go and worship this child, and then come and tell me where he is. Ha, ha, ha. But we don't know the plan until here. They're going to search for him and destroy him. And then for the, for the rest of, of Jesus' life, it's the same kind of thing. We see Jesus living his life, but there's always these people in the background that are scheming, trying to take his life. But you'll also find that in the midst of all of this, it never goes according to their plans because God is the one who's in control. And so these people are scheming, Herod is scheming, but God is saying, no, we're not going to let that happen. And so he warns the Magi, and he warns Joseph, because God is the one who's in control, and nothing will happen until he's ready for it. But that leads us to our prophecy. Out of Egypt, I called my son. All right, go ahead and turn back to Hosea chapter 11. The last two prophets that, uh, that we've looked at, Isaiah and, and Micah, both lived about 700 B.C., 720 around there. That's when they were prophesying. The same thing is true of Hosea. Hosea chapter 11 is where we're going to be at. Now, Hosea was prophesying at this time, the same as these other prophets, because this was a time of great turmoil for Israel. Israel had been split into two countries, two, uh, two nations. The northern kingdom was not following God ever. The southern kingdom, sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. But it wasn't going good for them. They were being attacked. They were not following God. Their kingdom was divided. And so God is sending them these prophets, continually saying, turn back to me. You've gone astray, but you need to turn back to me. Come back to me and everything will be okay. I will forgive you. You are my people. And we find in Hosea, um, God's relationship with Israel described in a couple different ways. The first few chapters are um, as a husband and wife. God being the husband, married to Israel, the wife, who is unfaithful. And so she runs off with somebody, but then comes back. And she runs off with somebody else and comes back. And God constantly forgives her and welcomes her back and receives her back. And this is actually played out with Hosea's 
life himself and his spouse. The next relationship that we see is what we'll find in Hosea 11, and that's with God as the father and Israel as the son who continually runs away. Listen, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Ephraim is another name for Israel. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in, my, in their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down and fed them. At this point, God now goes into talking about some of the consequences. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they called out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. This next portion that we find out about God's undying love. And so he asks them these questions. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me and my compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord, and He will roar like a lion. And when He roars, His children will come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. I think my favorite part in here is where he says, I will not execute my burning anger for I am God and not a man. I think God knows us a little bit. When we get angry... Sometimes we just lash out. We can't control it. It might get us in trouble sometimes, but that anger, it just boils over and spills over and we lash out. And God says, but I'm God and not a man, and so my anger won't wrath out. I won't completely destroy you. He's God, not a man. And then later he says, I will roar like a lion and call my people back to me. There's so many times I think to, uh, you know, to my kids when I have to use my daddy voice and, kids! And they all come running in real quick because they know I need to obey right now. When God calls, his people will come. But did you catch the imagery in there where he talks about Israel being a son? He says, I, I called my son out of Egypt. I, I, I've called them, but the more I call them, the more they run away. And there's probably been times when maybe we were that kid that was running away from our parents. Maybe we knew we were going to get in trouble, and so we went and hid. And it always makes it better when we hide, right? No, not at all. 
And he says, I called them out. There will be punishment because they didn't listen to me. They continually turn away, but in the end, I'll call them and I'll bring them back home. And so we see that imagery, God the Father, Israel the Son. And that's important because that's what Matthew is drawing out when he says, out of Egypt, I called my son. So keep that in mind. But God loves his children. He he always loves his children. No matter how much they turned, no matter how much they ran away, he continually called them back as a parent calls a stubborn child. Israelites were sinful. And because of that, they were going to be punished like a sinful child. He was not going to release them from their consequences. And this is the, 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 the moment where we pause and we let replay in our minds every time that somebody told us or that we told somebody else, I'm doing this because I love you. Now go get a switch or go stand in the corner. Because if we love our children, we cannot let them just run wild. They have to be taught and learn consequences. And the same thing was true with Israel. And so God says, you have run away and you will be destroyed. But then he says, but a, a remnant of faithful Israelites will come back. I'll call them back to Jerusalem. I'll call them back and one day the Messiah will come. And not only is he calling Israel back, but he's calling all people back to follow him. This Messiah, the Son of God, in whom everybody who calls on his name would find redemption and forgiveness. So let's go back to Matthew now. Matthew 2. Back to the future here. Verse 15, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, you see the, the, the similarities between Israel and Jesus here. Israel ended up down in Egypt. Abraham had Isaac, had Jacob, who had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph, and Joseph got sold into slavery. But then a huge famine comes, and so all of this family that would become the Israelites goes to Egypt to escape the famine. And then later, God calls them back out of Egypt as a great nation and brings them back to fulfill his promise. With Jesus, he was born, but then him and his family flee to Egypt to escape persecution. But then when it's better, God calls them back. He's called his son back. And so we find in this imagery, God the Father always calling back his children to his purpose, to him. Whether it was the Israelites. And take note that anytime somebody wanted to come to God, they didn't have to be an Israelite person. He would welcome them in. God sent Jonah to the city of Nineveh. They were not Israelite people. But he sent Jonah there to tell them, change or you're going to get wiped out. Come back to me. And God sends his son to say, come to me. 
Come to me and you'll find life. And we find a scripture that, that many of us know. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is always the same. And this is one of those areas that we see that. God is the Father for the Israelites, for the Jews, for his Son, and for us. So when Jesus is walking on this, this earth, he told this parable. There was a man who had two sons. One of them decided that he wanted to leave. And so he demanded his inheritance from his father and said, give me what is mine. I'm not going to wait for you to die. I want it now. And he runs, he leaves. He leaves his brother and his father. And he, he spends it all. He wastes it. He wastes it on rich, lavish meals and clothes and women and throws it away. And he ends up eating pig food because he doesn't have any more money left. And eventually he, he realizes, you know what? A slave in my father's house would be better than I am. And so he goes back. And his father, who was waiting for him, who was looking for him, you know, I picture a, a father that, might be out in the fields, and every so often he just takes and he looks to the, to the horizon, or he looks out the window to see if maybe, just maybe, that son is coming back. So this father looks up, and he sees his son, and he runs out to meet him, and he embraces him and picks him up. I've been waiting for you. And they throw a feast because the son has come back. And the idea is that God is that father, and then anybody can be that son. You, me, anybody that's run away from God that has, has done stuff against God, God will welcome us back. He will welcome his children back. So for us, you know, I, I know my own life. I know the, the things that I've done. I know the things that I'm embarrassed about that, um, that I shouldn't have done whether it was intentional or not. I know the people that I've had to, to go and confront and say, you know what, I, I need to talk with you because there's, there's something that I, I did and I, I shouldn't have done it and I need to apologize to you. I remember all of those things. And I know that God, despite all of that, will call me back, will welcome me back as his son. And that's, that's great news. And I know that not all of us have had a loving father, or at least the loving father that, that we should have or that we should expect to have. But God is all that a father should be. When we need forgiveness, he forgives. When we need punishment, he punishes. When we need somebody to listen to us, he is there to listen to us. So that's the lesson that we have today from Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. Out of Egypt, I called my son. God is the Father. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for this day that you've blessed us with. And God, I thank you for making us your children, for adopting us into your family and calling all of us who, who at one point were far off. And maybe sometime in the future we'll be far off again. But God, I know that even then, You'll be waiting to receive us back. 
just as you called Israel out of slavery and took Israel to the promised land. Just as you sent your son into the world to call all of us to you that we could receive forgiveness. And just as the prodigal son was called back to his father, which is you. I thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all together we say, Amen. If anybody has anything that you want to pray about, any worries that you want to talk with somebody about, uh, please come on forward at this time. We have elders up here. I'll be up here uh, to pray with you and, and talk together with. Let's stand and let's sing together.